Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Well, people are pretty amazing uh, very often. I think one of the cool things that uh, makes people uh, fun and uh, maybe a little uh, weird but still cool is that we make uh, really neat things uh, out of junk. And so, you know, you got a, a puppy made out of like scrap can and cork and plastic lids. So this guy, this was stuff that all washed up on the shore at a beach. And he turned all of this beach ocean junk into a gigantic octopus, which I would love to put in my backyard, uh, which I thought would be cool. This, this is a chicken ready for battle. Now, it's at, made out of scrap metal, but I feel like it should be movable. That's the only criticism I have, is it, I think it actually, it should be combat ready. Uh, this guy actually took a whole lot of yard toys, those giant plastic yard toys, and made like a multi-story cat thing, tiger something or another, which I just think is so cool. Taking all of this, this junk and making, this is one of my favorites, it's the sonic wave. That's pretty clever, right? A sonic wave, because these are vinyls. And for those, uh, the, the younger folks here, vinyls are a way we used to listen to music. So you would take two of these, we call them records, and you would stick them both up on the side of your head, and you twist them just a little bit, and you could hear music between them through the power of sonic. Um, it was awesome, and uh, you guys would have loved it. Uh, and so then this one here is sort of fascinating. This, this uh, couple, they take this really piles of junk, garbage, and they shape it into a pile of garbage. But then when you shine a light on it, it casts a shadow of something very cool behind it, which I, I thought, this is actually taking junk, but from another, shining, looking at it from another vantage point, looking at it with, with, with a different kind of a light, you get something entirely different behind it. And so I, I think this is pretty cool. People are very creative and amazingly, but not surprisingly, God does the same thing. God makes these beautiful things out of what most everyone else would say is junk. He makes these beautiful things. But God, of course, does it way better than we ever could. I love this about God. And there is a famous Bible story where we actually get to see what it is that God can do. And as a bonus, we get to find out that God has quite an ironic sense of humor. So you remember the story of Jericho. The Israelites were leaving Egypt. They were escaping slavery in a brutal land. This was a very, very bad situation that they found themselves in. But God promised that he was going to give them a beautiful new home, the promised land. And this was a gorgeous place up alongside the Mediterranean Sea. 
And it was described with all of this flowing, flowery, beautiful language. And it was sort of at the crossroads of epic empires from Europe and Asia and Africa. And right there in the middle, in this little crossroads, is the land that God had promised to give to his people. Unfortunately, a very wicked and terrible people lived in the land already. This was a really bad people, a really bad people. It was the city of Jericho. This is an artist's rendering based on the ruins that are still there today. And they had built this people throughout the land, especially here in Jericho. They had built this heavily fortified city with great big walls, dozens of feet high and thicker than an SUV. This was really bad news for God's people. How could God's people receive this gift of a beautiful land when there was such a powerful enemy blocking their way? This was a really bad situation. So what can you do when you face really bad problems of every kind? when you face really bad people, when you get really bad news, when you have really bad situations, what is it that God's people can do in times like that? Well, we, we see here that God's people get to learn to trust that God makes bad things beautiful. Can you guys repeat that with me? God makes bad things beautiful. Let's do that again, but with a little bit of gusto. Ready? God makes Bad things, beautiful. So how did the Israelites, God's people, learn this? Well, it all started with their leader, but we're going to need three volunteers. We're going to need, they're gonna be, there's going to be a reading part, and uh, there are going to be two spies and Rahab. So I have forewarned you. Um, there, there are two spies, and we have a Rahab. So... Three volunteers we're going to need in order to show what happened. So it all started when the leader of God's people, Joshua, sent spies into the land to check it out. And they ended up in the house of Rahab. So I'll preface it for you here. Joshua, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies. He said, go look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of Rahab and stayed there. All right, so here's our Rahab. And Rahab and the spies, we have some spies here. So the spies... I'm, so I'm going to play the part of Joshua here for a minute, all right? So here's the deal. I need you to go into Jericho. Oh, wait, you're still over there. Sorry. You're over in Jericho. We're not in Jericho yet. So we're going to need you guys to go into Jericho. I need you to check it out. I need you to figure out what their defenses are. You've got to figure out how strong the cities are going to be. So I want you to check out the whole land, but focus on Jericho. Now you're going to find your way over into Jericho, and you're going to meet... Rahab. And Rahab, say hi, Rahab. Hi. 
Go ahead. You got to say hi, Rahab. <laughs> All right. And so they met Rahab and they stayed there. Now, in a whole variety of ways, you could say that Rahab was a very bad woman. Are you good playing the part of a bad woman today for us? Acting only. All right. So, so Rahab would, would have been considered a very bad woman, but she was beginning to trust in the God of the Israelites. She was beginning to believe that God could take something very bad and make something very beautiful out of it. So what did Rahab do? Well, she saved the Israelite spies and she asked them to protect her and her family when God gave them the city of Jericho. So what we actually see happening with Rahab is that she actually began to show faith and trust and dependence in the one true God. She was rejecting the false gods of the land that she lived in, of the country and the city that she was a part of. So you, you want to do, can we do a reading part? All right, so you're going to have to look at the screen, but I'll, I'll do the intro part. It says, you're going to do the bolded part. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land for the Lord, you, your God, is God in heaven above on the earth below. And keep going. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters, and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. All right. And then the spies promised to do just that. But they insisted that there was only one way that they would be held responsible for protecting Rahab and her entire family. That's if she had everybody in her house and had to stay there during the entirety of the invasion. All right, can we, can we do a little, this is what the, the spies said. And then the spies had said to her, go ahead and read that up. Go ahead, all of you, read it nice and loud. As loud as you can, yes? All right, ready? Now the men had said to her, go. Has this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you will have tied this scarlet cord in, in the window. All right. <laughs> then, so this, you're going to have to give them a part of this and you're going to have to hold a part of that. So you guys hold this because you're saying this scarlet cord. Rahab, you hold that side of it. And so largely, what they were saying is, you have got to make sure that this cord, this scarlet cord, this rope, is tied above the window of your house. And when that happens, and when we see this, then it says, 
She let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So you kind of see what's happening here, right? So Rahab's house was built into the wall of Jericho. So one of her windows could have been used in times of war to fend off attackers. But she was built right into the wall, which is how she was able to get the spies out of the city. Because, of course, the city was already buttoned up tight. But because she had this scarlet cord, this rope, she was able to, to lower the spies out. This is pretty neat. It's actually a really great plan if you think it through. Because the, the Israelites recognize that when they're surrounding the city and they keep going around the city, they're going to see this scarlet rope hanging from the very window that the spies got out of. How, what, it's a, to me, this is an absolutely brilliant plan to save Rahab and all of her families. See, normal combat rules and the spies, you would have, you would have known this. Normal combat says that the Israelites would surround the city of Jericho. And they had plenty of people to do that. They just couldn't get past the wall. So they knew it would be a long siege against the city. And eventually, they would have the people inside would start getting tired and weaker and their resources would be depleted and they would be eating up all of their stored grain. And eventually, the Israelites would breach the gate. Or maybe they would find a weak spot in one of the walls. And then they would all enter in, and when they saw the scarlet cord, when they saw the rope hanging, they knew that that's where Rahab and her family lived. It's pretty cool. It's a great plan. Do you want to try climbing off the stage with the scarlet rope? Maybe later. Maybe we'll do that later. So, what happens at this point? Well, the spies must have been pretty happy with themselves. I'll be happy. Because you've done something awesome. You came back. You gave the report. But then God revealed the battle plan. And this was really bad news for the spies and for Rahab. So now they're sad. Sad. Yeah, you're sad. Are you is that sad? Are you still smiling? You're still smiling. All right. They're sad. Because here is what, here is what God decided was the battle plan to conquer Jericho. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. March around the city. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So now, imagine if you are the spies sitting in this military briefing. Joshua reveals the plan, and what do you think the spies are going to say? They're going to be shocked. Give us your best shocked look. Shocked. You're shocked. Why are you shocked? You're shocked because you thought that you were going to win the battle one way. God is going to do it in another way altogether, which normally would have been good news, except they had just promised Rahab to gather her whole family into her house built into the wall. 
that God just said is going to collapse. Shocked. Shocked. You don't, you don't know that yet, so you don't have to be shocked. But you guys know it, so you're shocked now. All right, now, imagine what the spies must have been thinking. How could this be? Joshua, can we revisit this plan? This isn't the way it was supposed to happen. The walls aren't supposed to fall down. We're going to breach the gate. We're going to all rush in. We're going to protect Rahab and her family. We gave them our word. But if the walls come down, that means the houses in the wall are going to come down too. And that means that Rahab and her whole family are going to be caught in the collapsing rubble. This is really bad news. And we know what happened next, but we are going to need some priests. You guys stay up here. here. All right. We're going to have you. You're going to hold this scarlet rope because you're going to be, we're going to be tying this up around the house soon. And we need seven priests. I think we're going to gather them up over here. Chris Bell's coming up. All right. Now, we know what happened. Rahab lets the spies out through the window. We're going to put you guys over here a little bit more because you're out now with Israel. Rahab, you're going to hang out over here in Jericho. And the priests are all gathering up with their shofars. We bought inexpensive shofars. And we are going to reenact this with our priests leading the way. And so, everyone, we're going to take everybody who's in Kids Quest, and you are going to compete against the adults in the room. So if you're in Kids Quest, fourth grade and under. Now, if you're in Ignite, fifth and sixth, we might need you to help out the Kids Quest folks. So um, we'll see who actually needs more help, uh, whether it's the adults or it. So here's the rule. When the shofar blows, we're going to have all of the adults in the room shout your loudest. And then the walls of Jericho come crashing down. All right. Everybody get ready. Priests, we're marching around. You got to march, 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 march. All right, priests. Blow your trumpet. Adults, shout. All right, all right, priests, hold it, hold it, hold it. All right, priests, hold it. Ready? That was pretty good, actually, better than I thought. So we're going to let Kids Quest give their shot, even though there are a few, a few people down, but remember, they got their shofars. But, all right, here we go. I'm going to, we're going to march, 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 and then we're going to blow the trumpet, and then all of the kids are going to shout. Ready? Blow! Shout! Hey, that was pretty good. All right, all right, all right. Stop blowing for a second. Stop blowing for a second. Now, we're all going to do it together. Now, imagine this. Rahab doesn't know the plan. Rahab is sitting in her home with the whole of her family. They don't understand. She doesn't know the plan, but the spies, of course, they know what's about to happen. And we were part of the marchers, by the way. Now we're going to march, march, march. And one last time as we go around the city, we're going to blow the shofars and everybody shouts and we trust that God is going to bring down the walls of Jericho. March, 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 march. I don't see any of you marching out there. You're marching with us. Let's march, 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 march. All right, ready? Priests, 
Go! Shout! All right, let's give them a big round of applause. I'll take that from you. Thank you very much. You guys can head off on the stage. Let's give all of our kids a big round of applause as you guys head right over that way. And the walls of Jericho came down. Interestingly, if I can nerd out here for a moment, archaeologists have confirmed a whole lot of the Bible story when it comes to the walls of Jericho. One of the most famous and studious, most intricately researched excavations that had ever happened was uh, in the 1950s under British archaeologist Kathleen Kenyon. And it's an active archaeological site uh, even now. And you can see they've excavated large portions. This is the city of Jericho from what uh, archaeologists have already uncovered. And you can see it's a great big mound that has already been excavated for more than a hundred years. And as they continue it, they understand that this, based on this archaeological dig, they know that the city looked something like this. It had a lower wall and it had an upper wall. And they had this area here, the revetment wall, which would have made this an impossibly imposing city for the Israelites to conquer. Now, Kenyon, who did some of the best archaeological research on this site, she actually said in her research from uh, the really 50s through the 80s, she said, fallen red bricks piling nearly to the top of the revetment. These probably came from the wall on the summit of the bank and or the brickwork above the revetment. Largely, what is she saying there? She's saying there's bricks everywhere. They're all around the city. The walls of this city collapsed in every, almost every area that we have dug. We have found these bricks in giant piles all at the foot of the city. In another place, she says, the destruction was complete. Walls and floors were blackened or reddened by fire. And every room was filled with fallen bricks, timbers, and household utensils in most rooms the fallen debris was heavily burnt, but the collapse of the walls on the eastern rooms seemed to have taken place before they were affected by fire. So what is she saying? She said, the walls of Jericho fell and the city was burned, but the walls fell before the city was burned. The city didn't collapse because of some sort of internal turmoil like a fire or something like that, and then slowly the walls would decay. But no, rather, it looks like the walls came down in one great calamity. Now, Kenyon does not link this to the Israelites at all because of her own understanding of the dating. But the evidence in the archaeological record is there. In fact, this is how you could understand it. They had the double wall, and you could imagine this is the scale of where the Israelites would be and what they would be looking at. No way to get over these walls. But when the walls came crashing down, they filled in the gap in the revetment, which would have made for a ramp all around the city for the Israelites, as this text says, to scramble up over the rubble and into the city. 
By the way, Kenyon, who was an absolutely uh, gifted archaeologist and really set standards of detailed archaeological uh, expertise that is still used today, she found that the walls of Jericho were thick and imposing. They were built in these two tiers. They towered dozens of feet high. She also uncovered evidence that when the walls collapsed, they filled in the spaces. This is all still seen in the archaeological record that the Israelites would have used to climb into the city. They found the heavy ash layer that was in the sediment that indicates that the city had been burned after the walls fell down, which is exactly how the, the scriptures say it happened. And they also found many large clay pots still filled with grain. And this was a curious discovery because why would there still be grain in the ash layer? Why, if the city had been sieged for a long period of time, like it would have normally been, the people would have eaten up their stores of food. But instead, all of this grain was still out there. Piles and piles, these clay jars filled with it, which means the siege was short before the city fell. But then, once the enemy goes into a city, they take all the plunder. They take all the loot. So why didn't they scoop up this grain and use it for their own armies? Because in the story of Jericho, the Israelites were told they could not touch a single thing from Jericho. They weren't allowed to take a single piece of grain as loot. And so it was all left there to be burned. This is all according to what the scriptures say and to what the archaeological record confirms. Now, what does that do for Rahab? What does that do for Rahab and her family? See, God took the bad news of an enemy that was impossible to defeat and he made it the beautiful news of God delivering this land to his people that he had promised. He made promise and he made good on that promise. He took this bad situation of a bad people opposing God's people and he made it into a beautiful story of his deliverance, of his redemption, of his trustworthiness, of his power seen in the way that they took the city. But whatever happened to Rahab built into the city wall. Well, 1907 to 1909, one of the earliest archaeological digs took place at the city of Jericho. It was a German archaeological team. And they had been scouting and digging along the northern wall. And believe it or not, over 100 years ago when they began to dig, they found a short portion of the northern wall closest to the hills that had not fallen. It had not collapsed. What was unusual about this particular stretch of wall was that houses were built right up alongside the wall. It wasn't that way in much of the rest of the city. But in that part of the city that the German archaeologists had uncovered, there was a wall still standing and there were homes still standing. So Rahab and her family were saved. Not by the, the cleverness of the spies and not by their great plan, 
But it seems as if God kept a part of the wall and some of the homes still standing. So Rahab survived the collapse of the walls of Jericho. And then what happened? Well, because of her faith and her courage, she saved her whole family. That's pretty incredible. But that's not where her story ends. So apparently, a young man, the name of Salmon, took an interest in Rahab. By the way, some people say he might have been one of the spies, since we don't really know. But he took, a, took an interest in Rahab sometime after the city of Jericho fell. And Solomon and Rahab, they had some children. And one of those children was a man named Boaz, who married an immigrant named Ruth. It's a beautiful story in the book of Ruth. It took a, one very hard, ugly, bad situation, the loss of family, kids, husbands. And God made Boaz and Ruth into this beautiful story. But they had kids who had kids, and one of their kids was King David, the great king of Israel who gave us the Psalms, so many of the Psalms written by one of the great-great-grandkids of Rahab. And here we have King David who marries a woman who has kids, and he's Solomon who gives us one of the most beautiful temples in all of antiquity, so much so that the nations around revered it and considered it one of the greatest marvels that humanity had constructed, one of the most beautiful things that came out of this very bad story and situation. But of course, Solomon also had kids, and they had kids, and they had kids. And so Rahab's great, 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 great grandkids. We follow that story all the way through the Bible until one of them named Mary. And Mary gave birth to a son named Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, listen, my children, I know. I know that you have done bad things. I know that you have thought bad things and you have acted in bad ways and you have, you have betrayed confidences and you have hurt the people around you and you have cheated and you have lied and you steal and listen, my children, I know all of this. These are bad and I love you. And I love you desperately. And Jesus, he comes on the scene and he says, I know how bad you can be and I know how harsh and bad this world can be all around you, but I love you. And there is this, there is a scarlet, there's a scarlet thread that runs through Rahab and through the sacrificial system of Solomon's temple and all of the animal sacrifices. And it runs all the way straight to the cross of Jesus, where Jesus takes his blood on the cross shed and he pours out his scarlet blood on each and every one of us to forgive us to restore us into a relationship and to promise us that we too will enter this great and beautiful promised land. God took something bad. He made it incredibly, incredibly beautiful. And you and me and all of us here, we're a part of that great story. Let's pray. Father, 
we're asking, Lord, that you would do in our hearts this work that you did in the heart of Rahab. Father, what a hero of the faith we have. Such a beautiful story. We see it in so many of her kids and her grandkids. We see it, Father, all the way through the coming of our Savior, the Messiah. He is the true Joshua who tears down the walls that we face. He is the one who gives us access again to the promised land. He tears down every enemy stronghold and every fortified position. And Lord, we have these in our lives. We recognize that we are a bad people. We often do bad things. We recognize that this world is brutal and cruel. And our only hope is that you, Lord, would make bad things beautiful. That's what we want. That's what we need. That's what we trust you for. So we ask that you would do the work that you did in Rahab's heart and you would do it in ours as well. And we trust that you will make us and those around us and this world through us, you will make beautiful. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.